0: Welcome to the Draft Deeper podcast. I am Maxwell Baumbach, and I am your lead host this evening. It's unfortunately mm. Nathan Grubel is sick, so he's not able to join us. He will be back in the near future, though. We're wishing him well. I think he's still got his column in the works too, so stay tuned for that. You're not gonna miss it. not gonna miss a beat from Nathan. Otherwise, but I'm Maxwell Baumbach. I'm joined at this time by Stephen Gillespie.
1: Stephen, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing awesome. Happy New Year to you, Maxwell. Mm-hmm. I hope that you had a uh, a safe. You know, celebration. Uh I I was very boring, but the Mm -hmm. older I get, the less I care about New Year. Um Uh,
0: yeah. I think we're (laughs) on the same page there. I like my wife and I were talking about the other day and I was like, I think this is the least I've ever cared about New Year's. Like the just lowest effort. Uh yeah, did not did not put in any work uh to anything except for basketball, uh which I put a lot of work into. And yeah. we're really excited because this is a fun episode. We've been talking a lot about college basketball lately. And so is everybody because it's it's easy because I feel like the narrative of the draft tends to flow through college basketball mm-hmm. because historically, that's what it's done uh, and that's what it's been. Uh, but we're, we're in a new era and there are a lot of players outside of the NBA playing professionally, uh, whether that be abroad or domestically. Uh, so we are going to focus on some of the best prospects for the 2023 NBA draft that are not playing college basketball uh before we get into that make sure you're subscribed to the no ceilings nba podcast feed uh rate and review it helps us a ton so if you leave a five star review uh that does wonders for us with the the search algorithms and uh really helps uh keep the lights on over at no ceilings so make sure to do that um so let's get into it uh we're gonna lead off with the guy that uh a lot of people think has a chance to hear his name called on draft night. And that of course is Victor Wembanyama uh Maybe. playing for <laughs> Metropolitans. Yeah, I think he's got a shot. Uh so he is uh the number one on basically every mainstream site. He was the number one on the last you no know, ceilings composite big board. Uh there's been a lot said about Victor Wembanyama, but I feel like a lot of people watched the G-League night games and were like, he's number one. And that's <laughs> been in the discussion in some ways yeah so uh we got into some recent victor film uh so let's let's go through that what's kind of stood out to you in the recent victor games that might be different or just things that you're starting to notice uh more as you dive back in
1: yeah man so i got a page full of notes and I'll, Mm. i'll get into this a little bit more but um i don't know man i just i feel like there's so much to his game that a lot of people have put a lot of emphasis on that I don't think it's fully developed yet. You know what okay. I mean? So yeah. um, r- like right now, obviously he's super tall. We affectionately re- refer to him as the blue alien from space jam, you know, mm-hmm. Mavs draft, you know, Richard, he reached out to me and was like, Hey, appreciate the, 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 the shout out about the mm-hmm. blue alien from, from space jam. Like everyone has made that reference about him. And it's just so fun mm-hmm. to see that. Um, But his length, I noticed a lot. And this might shock you has affected passing lanes as well as blocking shots. And yeah. I feel like that is not something that really gets emphasized a lot with him. You know, we, mm-hmm. we think about him as a, as a drop big, who's capable of switching out and things like that. But I was really encouraged with the way that even when he's away from the ball and the actions happening away from him, how willing he is to kind of like shoot passing lanes and, sure. and be a menace in that, at, uh, be a menace in that aspect, because I feel like it's easy for bigs to say, that's not really my thing and mm-hmm. to like let the ball swing and then prepare and let the action come to him. But he's kind of preventing it from happening in the first place with using his link. Uh mm-hmm. it was fun to watch him go up against uh Ishmael Kamagate who I was a really yeah, was fan of last game. Year. Mm-hmm. It it was and it looked like he had that game circled in red on his calendar because he uh he he has some good moments against him. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to ask you Maxwell is yeah. the three point shot. This is what I was kind of alluding to earlier. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are talking about him as a center. Um, I don't know, kind of positionally how you classify him. This is like really hard for a lot of people to do, and it might be a futile exercise anyway. But I'm kind of getting away from looking at him as a center. You know, I what think I think mean? he's
0: yeah. I would agree. I think he's probably playing the four initially. Yeah, the I can that Evan Mobley has. Like I, I, I don't could even think- see the three. That's interesting i th- i well, I guess why not? You know what I mean? like I think it depends. he has got on the handle before yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think depending on your lineup, if that's what you want to do, like you could one hundred percent do that, um like you look at a team like let's say Utah, who's like not in position to win the lottery, but let's say Utah wins the lottery, like you could play him marking in an Olympic,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or like you could play like him marking in vanderbilt or you could play vanderbilt olinic when like there's <laughs> yeah. ways that you could do it where he would ostensibly be your three mm-hmm. um so yeah i think if you just want to view him as a straight up forward that's fine like I, I i don't think there's anything wrong with that um i think especially now that the passing has gotten better yes uh which i think is one of the biggest things for him is that uh just his understanding of leverage like we talk about leverage all the time but like it is such an important thing for guys that are going to have the ball in their hands a lot is to just have that ability to recognize when help is coming and take advantage of it. And his recognition is coming a lot faster and his passing accuracy has gotten better. Cause that was like one of my knocks on him before the season was it felt like there would be times where he would see something develop. And then like the pass just like, wouldn't quite be on the mark. And It yeah. was a little concerning to me, but that's gotten a lot better. Um, so I think as far as like, wing skills i i could see that and i think that defensively there are ways that it works too like a note that i wrote yep. down on him is that and this is something that is a much more relevant skill for a wing than a big is he is a very good late clock defensive option yes like whenever mm-hmm. we talk about guys, guys's late clock options it's usually on the offensive end but there are a few guys that i would feel more comfortable with on an island in a tough situation than victor Wembanyama, just between his length his agility and his recovery tools like there's no way He's very difficult to get by. And even if you get by him, he's still probably in the play just because he's so long. He's so long and he's able to move. So like on the the rare chance that you do get by him, like it doesn't really mean anything. Uh, So, yeah, I think if you want to play him at the wing, like there's some real defensive advantages that come along with that.
1: Yeah. And I think the big thing with me, though, offensively, is I think that we're kind of talking about him as a shooter in the same lens mm. as, like, a Luka Doncic who, you know, recently has just had a historic run and a lot of praise uh, going out to him in the NBA, but if you look at the percentage that mm. that Wimbanyama has right now from deep, I don't know if you kind of look at it in that same way where Luka isn't the most effective three-point shooter, or efficient, but he is pretty effective, and people still have to respect him from that range. Wimby's three-point shooting isn't, like anything to to write home about if you're just going to look at a stat sheet, right? But I, I'm curious if that stood out to you. Is like when you're watching him, he's a threat from deep like the entire game, but efficient efficiency-wise it's not there. And I don't know if it we're at that point of the season yet where we can start pointing out like quote-unquote weaknesses in his game because I still feel like there are areas yeah. in Wimbledon's game to get better. But that was one that kind of stood out to me. I was surprised mm-hmm. to see the numbers attached to that.
0: Yeah, so he's making, so this is using the stat data, which I believe includes the, the two Ignite games. Uh, he is 33.9% from three on the year. So, and he's taking around 5.6 per game. I yeah. think what differentiates him from Luca is that like, yeah, he's the guy who gets a lot of respect on the Premier because guys knows, know that he'll take them and he'll take tough ones. Like he'll yes. take them off the dribble and stuff like that, which like the defense really has to guard you when that's a thing you do. Man. Uh, if you're, if you're somebody who hasn't watched when Benyama, but if you're watching college basketball, think about like a Mike miles at TCU, a guy who does not hit a great percentage from three, but he, he will pull up from like well behind the line. So teams know yep. like, well, we have to respect him because we don't want to leave him open because he can't hit him. That's sort of where Victor's that I think the big difference, if you talk about like where Luca was pre NBA versus Victor, um, about half of Lucas, uh, three point, uh, field goals were three point attempts. Uh, his final season playing for Real Madrid before he came over to the NBA, where um, for Victor, that number is about a quarter. Like he's taking about 17 shots per game and 5.63. So he's not totally reliant on it. And he has been so effective inside the arc. Like he's still shooting around 49% on all field goals. Uh, So the two point percentage is is good. Um, I don't think it's the end of the world. Like I think this percentage on this volume uh, is ultimately really encouraging, especially considering like a year ago he was he was still quite a bit behind this. And generally, takes bigs a little bit longer to get their shot going.
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing is like I'm still encouraged by it. You know, like when I'm watching him shoot, even the the misses he had he has some pretty bad misses on the year too. Like watching, yeah, there's some <laughs> there's some, some pretty egregious ones. shot shot attempts, and like you can see where the ball is going. It's just like, oh no, maybe, maybe that wasn't the right decision. But mm-hmm. like that's why he made the the team swap that he get that he did to yeah metropolitans right so he can kind of fill his game out a little bit, and how often do we criticize college teams for not letting their star studded recruits play in clutch minutes and experiment with the skills that they have?
0: yeah, like now's the time like mm-hmm. the next several years are the time for like victor to experiment and like take those runner style one leg three-point shots that he's taken a couple times and like and he hits them so it's like why not like yeah just do it and their team is winning is the other thing too like they're winning and he is so clearly their best player he's having one of the best seasons in the history of that league um that it's like well yeah who cares like if if he's taking these (laughs) shots that's that's fine they're they're okay shots to take um the other thing I want to touch on with him really quick that, that stood out to me that I like a lot, um, and it kind of plays a little bit off of your passing lanes comment, uh, but it is more sort of in the vein of big man role, is his defensive pick and roll coverage is just ludicrous. Yeah. Um, because he can block both guys' shots, mm-hmm. and he has an ability to just play in the middle of the pick and roll in a way that, like, I can... I guys can't do that like there's other
1: guys it scares the handler and the roller yes yeah you have to account for him both actions
0: there's no way to get a pass around him effectively he can block the shot of the ball handler if you get it to the roll man he can still block the roll man like he just covers so much space like I talked to somebody a lot smarter than me a while ago who said, like, never think of Vassal players in terms of height. Think of them in terms of, like, wingspan, standing reach, and how they move. So, like, picture, like, the St. Joe's mascot that's, like, flapping his arms the whole game. Like, it, it it's just so much size and length. Like a sphere and, like, of influence, right? Yes, like that, exactly. There like, there's yeah. just the, the radius of Victor Wembanyama is so massive that, like, it's just impossible to run an effective pick-and-roll against him. Um, And the amount of The number of times that I saw players either try to lob a pass over him in a pick and roll that was deflected, intercepted, or like was just so comically high that he was completely able to recover by the time it got to the big man. You just, you can't do anything about it. It (laughs) is it is one of the most like frustrating experiences. If you're watching from the perspective of the other team, like trying to get their offense going, it's, it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah. It's like high anxiety. One thing, though, mm-hmm. like as great as he is about defending the pick and roll, last note I have on him, and yes, it's a critique, I'm sorry. Um, is that... When-
0: <laughs> no, it's important. It's important to do exactly. this. Exactly. Because, like, because if he comes in and struggles in any area, like we saw with Cade, where like mm-hmm. Cade has had some struggles out of the game. People are like, draft people said he was going to be perfect. And it's like, like, I'm sure there were some people, but like mm-hmm. at the same time, like it is important to like point out like these are things that need work these things still need to be developed right these things could cause some issues here and there so continue on with your with your critique because it's important yeah
1: Yeah, no problem and i think that this is where i kind of look at him more as like a a three or four probably Mm -hmm. more often but depending on the team like could probably give you minutes at the three um Mm -hmm. is that when there's action happening away from him and he's in drop coverage as the big i i notice that some of the teams that like try to outwit what the metropolitans are doing is that they run like a lot of back back screens and like off yes. ball action away from him, and he mm-hmm. has such a tendency that when the ball is swinging that he wants to stay with his man that he is assigned to, that mm-hmm. he oftentimes let people go by him and, and finish uncontested. So that's mm-hmm. something that I'm interested to see if that continues on, and obviously at the next level, like if that's happening overseas and people are watching film with him, like mm-hmm. the NBA coaches are they could probably imp- implement something similar. I don't know if that's something that stood out to you when you were watching them.
0: I, I yeah, so I didn't I didn't necessarily catch that. The other the one defensive thing that I've noticed that I think teams have had some effect with is like screen the screener type actions. Like yes. if there's an action where like he is screened, just the way that his body mechanics are like it is the one thing that really trips him up from recovery standpoint, just because like there is so much of him. It's really hard for him to get his balance back after contact. Um, And on like on offense, it shows up a little bit too. Like he can still kind of get funneled to different spots by guys. Like he is very dependent on tough shot making. So like there are going to be games where like the shot just doesn't fall. And that's something that he has to deal with. But defensively, I think the more that you can make him, have to deal with screens, whether it's like actually making contact or even just get around them. Like that is yeah. one, one area where he can have a hard time.
1: I think that some of these areas too, like obviously Maxwell, like this is what I'm saying. He's got weaknesses to his game. Obviously mm-hmm. he's still very talented. Probably. Still yeah. Be the number one pick. Like those are areas that he can improve on. Like easily close out instead sure. of jumping on every time he closes yeah. out, just being like, Hey, I'm the tallest dude on the court. Like, let me just put mm-hmm. my hand up that way. I don't get a pump fake. And someone drives on me like he obviously still has recoverability, but that's just something that would make the offense have to work even harder if he didn't jump so much on a closeout. And those little cleanups will make him such even he'll, he'll be even more dangerous than what he already is, which is a scary concept. Mm-hmm. Any any final parting comments on Victor? He is really good at basketball. Yeah, he's great.
0: He's good. Yeah. I, I, I still like him. I, I he's still within my top 60. Yeah, uh, consensus I think he's got a real 60. shot uh so let's let's move on to our next guy uh the man that we uh saw play against victor earlier on in the year and that is Mm -hmm. scoot henderson with the g league ignite um scoot had missed a lot of time uh due to a facial injury which is one of the things like i saw people being like is he gonna shut it down or whatever it's like i don't think so like i don't think you need to load management i that i think like you just don't want to get hit in the face again and have to deal with having a facial injury so uh he's back on the court Um, He's now hit two game winners in the last three games. That's (laughs) crazy thing. Scoot is ludicrous. So um, using the again, the inset numbers that include uh, the Metropolitans games. And now keep in mind, that's going to submarine his averages because he only played four minutes in that game against Metropolitans. The
1: second one really drags his numbers down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Scoot is averaging 18.7 points per game, 5.2 assists per game, uh, 4.3 rebounds, 1.3 assists. Uh, three turnovers. He is 46.2% from the field, 72.4% from the free throw line and 44% from three, uh, which was a big concern for him coming to the season. He's taking two and a half a game, uh, so not a ton, but certainly nothing to sneeze at either. It's solid volume for the type of player he is. He generally gets his gets to his spots inside the arc, so can't complain. Uh, Scoot Henderson, really great start. So glad to have him back just because like, those ignite games can be really rough when he's not out yep. there spearheading the offense. Um, what do you, what have you seen from Scoot? What's kind of standing out for you now that he's back on the floor?
1: He makes it difficult for me, man. Like I know that people think that having anybody ranked a, above, you know, Victor Wembanyama is just like. You, you know attention seeking but mm-hmm. watching scoot is just incredible like he's good yeah he is so good and the comments will continue all season long about in any other draft he would be number one like he's going to be dangerous i love his mid-range game you know and, and listening to him mm-hmm. like the players that he's like emulating when you hear him say names like andre miller which is a player that you probably like athletically he. He's a fine basketball athlete, but he is not Scoot Henderson, right?
0: Worlds apart. Worlds Worlds apart.
1: But when you watch the passing, the cadence, you know, the ability to get into the paint and finish with contact, like that is Andre Miller. And that's not a name that I would have linked to his game. But after you hear that and you see how he has kind of implemented areas of that to his game, it's just incredible. You know, and going back to the Chris Paul comment, when you watch when he gets to the elbow, it's phenomenal like he he stops rises stops on a dime just like everyone is going around him and then he rises up above the recovering defense and just splashes a mid-range game i love the ability that he shows to rebound he's giving you one offensive rebound a game as a guard like i love that i love rebounding guards it's just a thing about me that people just need to know um he surveys the offense nicely and when he's in a help stance like he puts himself um He puts himself into position on defense to where he can disrupt what the offense is looking to do without losing Mm -hmm. his footing to be able to recover as well. So like a combination of all those things, like if you look at the runner, the floater, the body control, the ability to make in-air adjustments, right? Like that, the anti Andre Miller in that aspect where he is (laughs) like Derek Rose and the Russell Westbrook comps that he's getting. There's just so much yin and yang to his game. That makes him such a complete player. The one thing that I will say is, like, since he is like over a foot shorter than than Wimbenyama, mm. I have for the first time, like, in one game, seen him get blocked like multiple times, and that's yeah. really against the Clippers. Like, that was like, mm-hmm. okay, that's a legitimate concern about his game.
0: Yes, yeah. He, the one thing that he will never be able to ch- change is that he is like six one, six two. Like, there's yeah. just nothing that he can do about that. Um, but that said, like, we've seen guys like Chris Paul, like John Morant, like put together really great seasons and spearhead really great teams and lead them really far into the playoffs. Uh, So it doesn't mean you can't do it even in the modern Mm -hmm. where, where size is King. Um, I do think that the big thing that stuck out to me with Scoot since his comeback and you touched it on a little bit, like when you mentioned, it's like the cadence he plays with, Mm -hmm. he attacks with rhythms and paces that I feel like I have not seen before um like his ability to just kind of like slow down for one step at like a really awkward speed and it yep. sounds like when you say this kind of stuff generally it's uh something where it sounds like uh oh you know like he could he could injure himself or like something like that and it's like it's not that like it's very controlled it looks very safe it's just so unique for a player who is so fast to be able to play at these tempos and rhythms going downhill that just like throw defenders so far off because so often when you see a player's attacking footwork it's either like i hesitate and then i burst or mm-hmm. i'm just bursting or whatever we're like the speed at which scoot does it is so unconventional yeah that it really throws off defenders and i've just i haven't seen guys move like scoot henderson like he a lot of the times like you see a guy do an attacking move and it's like oh that's like an attacking move that Russell Westbrook would do or that John Wall would do yep. or that like this is how uh like John Morant would get to the rim or whoever Um, or Allen Iverson even if you want to go like a little more herky-jerky with it like Scoot has his own style in terms yeah. of how he gets to the basket and it makes it so difficult to anticipate
1: yeah and then I mean if you even want to look at more contemporary guards right like Tyrese Halliburton and Shea Gilgus yeah, Alexander yeah. like those but are the type pace heavy guys Exactly. Right. And, and you see that Scoot is balancing that explosivity that he has to his game. And that's something that stands out to me, Maxwell, when I'm evaluating talent is like, what do you have that you can replicate at the next level? And what do you have that stands out compared to everybody else on the court? Like if you have a movement pattern that is all to your own, that is effective, especially in the G League, where he is going up against guys that want to play in the NBA that are playing in the NBA and he stands out just in terms of movement that's
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's incredible like that's what makes it so hard for me just to give the city to to Victor Wimbenyama because like mm-hmm. as much as he looks like a unique player all to his own which he does like the exact same thing can be said for Scoot it's just that the 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 comment that everyone's going to keep throwing out there is like well he's you know got a foot and a half you know, short of, mm-hmm. of Wimpenyama. So, like, that's what the line of demarcation is between these two players. But, again, Scoot, like, he's strong. He finishes through contact. The Euro step into the offhand in the center layup. That just looks mm-hmm. impossible to block that he does. I mean, it's – I could keep going on and on. Like, he shouldn't be able to make the passes that he does. Um, I don't know why t- his teammates don't always have their hands up whenever he plays. Like, these turnovers is that I so see,
0: frustrating.
1: These they get like credited to that, him. Yes, exactly. And it's just like, well, if this dude had his hands up and was ready for the pass and like you would think that 10, 12 games into the season that they would be expecting these things. Mm-hmm. They're still have their hands down and it drives me nuts, man.
0: Yeah, I like I remember like the first time I played with like a point guard that had like a ton of like style and like unique passing to his game. Like he told me cuz I was like a big, like he was like Oh, if I have the ball, always be ready to catch the ball. Mm. Like if I have mm. it, like you might have it a second later. Like be ready. And I feel like someone's gotta have that same talk with the other guys on the ignite because yeah, like his turnovers look rough. Like if you're coming in from the outside, it's like, well, okay, five point two assists to three turnovers. Like I'd kind of like to see that turnover number come down or the assist number go up. And it's like, yeah, like the ignite, like they've done a pretty good job, I feel like, of of getting a lot of more like ancillary shooting on their roster, especially this year than last Uh, Like last year. Those guys were really thrown to the wolves. Um, Whereas this year, there is more of that. So I like the assist number. If you want to equip with it, maybe you could, but like also doesn't like plays off ball a little bit more than you might expect if you're not watching the games. Um, But with the turnovers, yeah, like, a lot of them are ones that are credited to him that I don't think are bad passes. But also, like, defenses do really load up to him, especially depending who else is on the court. Like, there are lineups where teams know, like, some of these guys can't make us pay, and we're able to just really load up on him. So, I'm not concerned about, like, his turnover to assist numbers, especially compared to, like, some of the other people that will... Not talk about on this show necessarily, but like there's a lot of guys that have assist problems this year and like have turnover (laughs) problems, and like Scoot's not one of them. Like I'm not sweating these numbers at all. Where do you have like a concern about that at all or no?
1: No, and that's what I'm saying. Like the turnovers, I don't. When you watch, like he is the engine of this team, and you talked about Mm -hmm. like the adding, you know, the addition of ancillary shooting. The same could be said about the playmaking too. When you got Leonard Miller, who is a who's growing as a four and a five, and we're gonna talk about Mm -hmm. him later. He handles, you know, City Sissoko handles, Jenkins handles. There are a lot of ball handlers. And although there is an increase in shooting, I wouldn't necessarily say that this is the best floor spacing team in terms of efficiency either, right? So Scoot showing that he's a willing shooter is great. The pressure that he puts on the rim is phenomenal. His hang time, phenomenal. I just, I don't know if Wimbenyama is just worlds ahead of this guy. And I, it just it makes it hard, man, because I try to watch and I try to get it. And I'm just like, I just can't quit Scoot, man. Like he's he's incredible.
0: Yeah. So let's say we were able to run like 100 simulations of yeah. the future. Oh, boy. What percent of the time does Scoot Henderson
1: have a better career
0: than Victor Wambinama? Because I think it's probably a higher percentage than some
1: people would want to admit. I would say like I think it's probably. Like, 30 to thirty finish. 35 is what I was yeah. thinking yeah like comfortably 35 I would say upwards of like if the to the point to where I'm starting like am I just like kind of trying to buy into a narrative or something like mm-hmm. that when I get to 45 it definitely wouldn't say 50 but yeah. I would say like comfortably 35 40 okay I start getting uncomfortable when mm-hmm. I get to like 43 45 percent okay yeah because
0: yeah, the thing for me too is still just like how dumb do you feel in the simulations where Victor is the better player? You know what I mean? Like, and like, and that does matter. Like people want to pretend it doesn't, but it does matter. Like it does matter if you take scoot one and Victor is better. And it's like, Oh yeah. In the, in the modern NBA, you picked a guy who was like a foot and two inches shorter than him. Like that, that reflects really bad if that, if that plays out that way. But I do think like the number of outcomes where scoot ends up better is. It's not nothing. It's definitely not nothing.
1: And and Wimby, Wimby has entered, you have to take him territory, like the same thing yeah. with Zion Williamson and, and other greats before him. And mm-hmm. and for the most part, like when you hit that territory, the success rate is pretty, pretty good. Once you get to that, you have to take yeah. him territory.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are freaked. It's like the same thing with Zion, right? People were just like freaked out that they never seen a guy with a body like that before. And I don't know, <laughs> yeah. like you look at like him, you look at Jokic, and it's like this, this is like a great era for weird bodies in the NBA. Like this is a great Absolutely. era to just take a guy and be like, we'll figure it out. So yeah. Um anything else on scooter, we ready to move on to uh to our next uh, point of
1: conversation here. He is also good at basketball.
0: Yeah. So this is gonna get <laughs> I think this is where where we might get not, not a little testy, but I think we might have some disagreements
1: yeah we're gonna talk about i just want OTB you to know I, I love you first and foremost Matt, yeah so i know i, I, love, no, I you. love you too you're, you're everything
0: that's said here like this is strictly basketball like none of this it's is a safe personal. space uh that said you were one of the five dumbest people no i'm just kidding uh so we're gonna so we're gonna talk about the thompson twins so let's start with the men thompson so i've got my column coming out tuesday yeah. morning, and i'm shaking up my big board quite a bit and i still i'm getting up at 4 a.m tomorrow to start like working on this column but also to like figure out what i'm doing with this board i
1: it's due tomorrow yeah. like you're not allowed to change it
0: yeah yeah exactly like, this is gotta it. get, it's got to get done so <laughs> um with a men thompson i want to start by talking about like the good stuff he is an unbelievable athlete and like i i truly believe like I'm in the camp of like, he's going to be one of the best athletes in the league right away. Like, I really think he's that special in terms of like his burst, how easily he gets off the floor, how he can soar through traffic, just like his quick twitch ability. Like he is a truly special athlete. He's also very creative. He is really, really creative in terms of how he sees the game. You can tell like the fact that he's been able to play without a leash has like benefited him in so many ways. Like he's just able to make passes that, like most guys would never dream of and it kills mm-hmm. defenders and and guys are ready like the guys that play with him know like to be ready in a, in the way that scoots teammates don't at times um i think a thompson like kind of has to go in the top 10 just because like guys who are 6-7 with that level of skill set and like Just the way that his speed impacts his defense, too. Like, it's not just like, oh, he gets into the paint, he's a terror in transition, but defensively, like how quick he is off the floor to get to a block, how quickly he recognizes that he needs to get into position for a block or a steal. Mm -hmm. He's a really talented player and he's hyper athletic. I am really kind of worried about some of the potential negative outcomes offensively after doing my latest OTE deep dive for him. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe I want to get the the Twitter handle right here at uh, Drew Gooden Suit. Oh yeah! By He's the way, familiar. just like Love great him. Twitter follow, like all time great Twitter handle, all time great profile picture to go with the bio. Uh, if you're if you're a draft sicko, it's a great account to follow. But also just like props for that alone. Um, yes. He did a Twitter thread where he has been. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm he basically manually tracked the touch numbers uh, for the Thompson twins through the games that he had available. Um, so non-transition attempts at the rim. So these are attempts at the rim, the half court. And keep in mind, yeah. this is OTE competitions. So this is a lot of playing against high school age opponents. A is 50% at the rim, 20 for 40 in those games. He's 41% of mid range shots, which I is way higher than I expected it to be um but that is a very poor number given the level of competition that he is facing his touch is very suspect um but what concerns me more is like how he wilts against contact and how much more contact averse he is than a SAR and how he just does everything he can to like angle himself away from it at the basket. And he does not have the touch to compensate for that. And I don't know if part of that is that like, he's also a bad free throw shooter. So maybe he doesn't want to go to the free throw line or what, but like it's, it's a problem. He's, he's not good at the rim in the half court against high schoolers. And he's going to have to eventually like part of the sales pitch of him is like, he is a walking paint touch. So you want him to be a good finisher if he's going to get to the basket and like is he that kind of a threat if he's struggling this badly against high schoolers um so let's start just there the offensive concerns with ben thompson as a scorer um well let's start with him as a finisher because we'll touch on the shooting again in a minute but um how are you kind of feeling about him as a finisher at this at this juncture
1: so first off and i'm gonna try to eliminate when I'm talking about a man, mention Asar, and vice versa, right? Yeah. Like I want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's so just. I feel like, like a right now. I f- so. With that being said, I just want to say that I have not, so far in the season, at any point, had either of the Thompsons within my top five. Like I just. Okay. Yeah. There are a lot. There are a lot of things that are concerning about both players. So now that I have said that, I'll transition now and slowly talk about a man. Um. First off, I'm just gonna run through my notes, man. So offensively very slippery gets into the paint pretty easily is something that when I'm watching these games, like I see that, right? Like he does show good rim pressure. He does show the ability to get to his spots, driving left or driving right. Like I, it's something that I see consistently. Um, he's constantly pushing the brake. And I feel like that, like if we can just park here for a second, Maxwell
0: mm-hmm.
1: transition, like an elite transition player, right? Euros, yeah. jump stops, spins, constantly pushing the break. I feel like this is where people are making or breaking their evals with a men. Thompson mm-hmm. is saying that, yes, I acknowledge the transition. Anything outside of that, he's concerning to me. I feel like with players like Ben Simmons, with players like uh LaMelo ball, for instance, right? Like, Those are the types of players with size, with vision, with elite, with top tier. Well, I would say Ben Simmons, top tier athleticism. Ball is a different type of athlete where he can like kind of finagle his way around a defender, but he's not like the most explosive athlete. I feel like height, athleticism, feel, and ambidexterity that he has. I feel like that in of itself is like how you mentioned. That's like top 10. Like you just... You have to take a player like that. We know that feeling height, like having that intersection of those two things typically translates well to the NBA. Also, I don't think the NBA during the regular season is as half court oriented as a lot of people typically will make it out to be, right? Like during the regular season, I think that a man is going to be able to find his way in an NBA offense. Now we can have a completely different conversation about playoffs, but depending on where a man gets drafted, that's going to be. Something that he's going to be working towards, regardless, in conjunction with his half-court finishing, right? Um, show some flashes of a floater and run game that would have been pretty, pretty good for me. Um, makes exciting plays, but one thing that was discussed on um, the draft deck that Albert and Corey talked on that I had in my notes that I'm glad that they touched on. He is pretty prone to having the ball poke loose, right? Like his handle oh, is a little yeah, bit concerned. Wide at times, yes. and I think
0: part of that is like, like I mentioned, the creativity. Where like he is able to string together some really jaw dropping sequences, yes. but at the same time, it does seem literally like the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing, or like he'll like he'll enter a move and it's like, oh man, like I forgot I have to like have my dribble here in order mm-hmm. to do this effectively, and that happens with the SAR a little bit too. I, I know that we're trying not to like. Yes. Group them both in, but it is like a problem in both of their games. But with a man, I think it shows up a little bit more just because he's on the ball more frequently. Um but yeah, the ball can get away from him and he can also, yeah, like dribble in front of himself a little more than he should as well.
1: And a couple more things that I'll talk about for his offense and then, you know, hand it right back to you. Mm-hmm. I think that he works through his progressions really quickly. Like he mm-hmm. he doesn't just have one guy that he looks at when he was on offense. He has a pretty good feel of where everybody on the court is. Um his start-and-stop game, I feel like, is really good. Like, he shifts gears pretty easily. And I feel like with the shooting, this is obviously, like, the biggest weakness. And, you mm-hmm. know, again, where his eval is being made. Okay. He's a shooter, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. – there are there are players that you're just like, why aren't you taking jumpers, Right. The fact that a man is willing to take them, I think is a great thing. And I don't know if you notice this too, but it looks like corner jumpers are a little bit more of a higher success rate f- for him than like pull-up jumpers or top of the key or on the wings. Like when he's in the corner, I feel like it has a higher success rate. And I haven't found any numbers that kind of justify that. Like if Drew Gooden suit may- might be able to yeah. hand jam some numbers in there for-, for us, that would be cool. But, um, you know... Watching him shoot in the corner, I feel like he's more comfortable, more confident, and I think it's actually a little bit more consistent as well. Um, I haven't shut the door that he is the higher of the two, but after watching the game and also understanding that if we're willing to give like Wimbenyama the, the pass because he's playing in an, in an experimental kind of place, right? Now. For other G guys, like mm-hmm. obviously OTE is very experimental. Yeah. Amen is trying some some stuff, right? So like when mm-hmm. he gets into the NBA and it's a little bit more organized and more high-level coaching, I think that the raw tools that he possesses actually might translate better than what some people are anticipating. That's all fair.
0: I uh, yeah, I don't think you said anything that was egregious. And I think one thing I need to correct you is I mentioned like Amen is like I called him a bad free throw shooter. This year, he's actually been really good. He's he's eighty one point eight percent at the free throw line this year. So correction, I was wrong. Uh, but last season, he was very poor. I believe last year was around like fifty seven percent or something like that. Like he really struggled last year. Um, so let's talk about the shot since you mentioned yeah. that. <laughs> um, so my yeah, so I my offensive concerns are like kind of like three prong. So it's it's the finishing which I mentioned, uh, and like all that goes with it, the touch the lack of a willingness to embrace contra- uh, contact um there's the handle which like the fact that it comes kind of wide which i don't totally sweat because i do think that like he's still just going to make a ton of plays given yeah. the fact that he is the type of athlete that he is um but he does have 3.2 turnovers per game which like is kind of high um yeah. i do not like that he is constantly leaking out into transition on defense. I know. I uh, hate that, too. I, I get it. Like, he is a very good transition player. So I understand, like, that is how you're teaming games. That is how you create advantages. Like, you are effective doing that. But, like, it feels so egregious, in there are times where, like, they give up extra baskets because he was so eager to leak out in transition that, like, his man got a rebound, or, like, somebody else got a rebound, and his man was totally unattended. Like, he is so thirsty for transition basketball that like it, it costs his team at times. Uh, but let's, let's touch on the shooting. Cause that's the big thing. So yeah. he is 20% from three on the year, 20.8%. He's taking 2.7 per game. Um, teams are daring him to shoot to a comical degree. There um, yeah. was a game that I watched. I think it was, I think it was against either the, bruins of the holy rams was one of those two games um it was because it was one of the ones that was on instat uh so i believe it was the bruins um they were sagging so far off of him that it's like this is not a guy who's shooting 20.8 percent from three this is a guy who's shooting 20.8 percent from three on wide open three-pointers um i said it before and i'm gonna say it again like it is deeply concerning to me that the biggest thing for overtime elite as a professional path line this offseason was to get the thompson's better at shooting and yep. a did not do that and i think his shot looks worse i think it looks worse that he's getting it to the top he's moving it to the right side of his body at the last second before he releases it it's a big problem and i i'm very bothered by the fact that this was a known problem going into the year he got and like that was like something i complained about last year was the guys who were like playing up on him like guys were giving him the ability yeah. to just blow by him and like he's still getting into the paint when teams are sagging on him which i do think speaks like very favorably to some of what he's going to be able to do in the nba as an attacker uh but he is getting just wide open threes and he's not making them so i have very serious reservations about the like well if he can even be average as a shooter it's like i I think that might be like off the table. Like, I think we might have to be hoping that like he can become just like kind of below average because like this thing is busted. He's got to rebuild it. Like he has to rebuild that shot from the ground up. It is very bad right now.
1: And I think that is possible, right? Like I'm not going to pull the fact that like the jumper can't be improved. And funnily enough, um, you know, not to, not to catch any or give any strays or anything like that. He's not the worst efficient shooter that we're going to be talking about today you know it's just something to keep in mind for <laughs> yeah if um, we're talking we're it, there's the guy yeah. who
0: is much worse actually so yeah,
1: surprisingly um yeah but well like yeah i, I, I,
0: I will say if you want to like uh sorry just real quick like if you want to no, say please. like you can burn it down from the ground up and get there really quickly a really good good guy to point to would be josh minot who had like a very busted jumper in college yep. and in the G league this season is taking three threes per game and hitting 41% on them. So like we just saw a guy with a horrific looking jump shot who made like two or three threes his entire college season. And one of them was banked in like immediately just completely
1: rework his form. So yeah, like, if I, you
0: want to say like, Hey, you're, you're overreacting. Like I might be, cause we, we just I don't saw think that you games.
1: are like, it's obviously concerning, right? Like not just like on a stat sheet, but also like when you're aesthetically, it's not something mm-hmm. that you're that you're enjoying watching right now. Again, I don't want to use like where he is as an excuse because I feel like OTE has done a great job um, within its brief time in existence of improving players, um, especially the younger ones. Right. But I feel like the the older players that they have brought in, um, they're kind of just kind of buying their time. And especially like when you are being told that like where you're at right now, you're a shoe in to be like a top pick. Yeah. I I mean, I, and again, he's playing transition. Like he's getting half court Mm -hmm. passes from his teammates. So I think that style of play might have something to do with it. And one last thing I want to mention offensively for him is that he is getting reps off of the ball. Like, I feel like a lot of the dialogue that have come into the year was about how on ball dominant that a man is going to be and that it's just him dribbling and everybody else working around him. I think OTE has actually done a pretty decent job of, you know, splitting reps between him and other teammates and also that when he shares the floor with some of their better players, it's not always in his hand. Like, they do a good mm-hmm. job of running him in motion to help get him the ball. And I think that's going to be key for his early success is going to be, if you're not a great shooter, like running in off of actions, getting the spot, getting the ball on DHOs, um, just a constantly, the
0: pig, yeah,
1: constantly applying pressure, I think is going to be a way that he can improve. And then you mentioned this all the time, Maxwell, as he gets stronger, like who's to say that he's going to be limited playing a point guard position, right? Mm-hmm. Like there might be some creative ways to hide the weaknesses, and there's also like we mentioned, you know, the chance that the weaknesses can get better.
0: Well, yeah, and like the strengths are still so strong, which I think is like the important thing to keep in mind. It's like exactly there are very few athletes like this, and there are very few athletes, especially on defense, that just like read things as quickly as he does, and on offense too. Like, don't get me wrong, like he reads plays on offense as well, and he's super creative. But like, defensively, mm-hmm. it's it's just unbelievable. Like he's such he's such a great defender, and so fun to watch on that end. Um, so when yeah, like, he's I, I not... do still think he's the guy you take
1: high in the draft. Yeah. And defensively too, um, like he's great when he's locked in. But like if it's yeah, like there are times where you could tell that he's playing in the overtime league.
0: Yeah, yeah. In in that he's like almost 20 years old and he's older than a lot of these guys, like by yeah. quite a bit. Um so let's move on to Asar Thompson. I like if I was just negative right now, like don't worry, because we're about to get real positive. I came away really liking what I see from Asar Thompson. Same. Um, I think he's going to leap a men on my board. Um, so let's start with a shot since we were just talking about it. Um, Asar did get better at shooting, and like weirdly, mm-hmm. he's still like not created the free throw line, but just purely from like an aesthetics and mechanical standpoint, his three point shot looks better. Um, he's taking a good amount of him. He's taking 3.7 per game. Uh some teams are daring him a little bit, but not quite to the same extent that men is. Mm-hmm. Um so it still might be a thing where like, he comes into the NBA and has like a really poor opening year shooting the three. That that could be. Um, but I just love that it clearly looks much different. It is so much smoother than it was a year ago. Like there's been real growth, I, mm-hmm. I believe, from Masar Thompson as a catch and shoot jump shooter. Um mm-hmm. to the Dragon suit uh, thread point, like mid-range still real iffy. Um yeah. his touch in the basket is better. He's about 58% at the basket. I think he's much less averse to contact than a men is. And yeah. it shows up two places. It shows up there and it shows up like competing defensively around the basket, especially in terms of rebounding. He's not as thirsty to get into transition as a Um, is in the other big improvement. And this is the biggest thing that Asar has added to his game. Um, I think Asar, I think they're both very good defenders. And I think they're both like really quick to recognize things and get into position on that end. I think the difference was on offense. That a man could play at like really high speeds and see stuff really quickly, and I think Asar was yeah. always just like a little bit slower on the draw, and like still like very fast for a player his age and his size, like really really good uh, mm-hmm. for for a six seven player his age. Uh, but now he is playing a lot more fluid. The, he still has the handle getting a little bit loose, but I think he's more dangerous with the handle. I think his footwork is better with the ball in his hands. And I, he's doing more live dribble passing with his right. Um, and he's just doing more on the go as a passer. He's not needing to slow down. He's not needing to come to a jump stop. So now that like the passing isn't that far behind a man, it's like, okay, well, here's a guy that, where I feel better about the jump shot. I feel better about how he deals with physicality. I feel better about his attentiveness. So like, is that margin really that big? that, like, why don't I just pick the safer of the two? If we're just talking about, like, the overtime elite po- prospects, like, why don't I just take the one that's, like, a little bit safer? Um, And that, yeah, I guess that's the question I'll ask you. Like, what is the case for a meta over SAR and are you seeing those same improvements that I'm seeing?
1: Well, I mean, like, when we get to a certain point on the board, safe, like, safer... Is obviously like the, like the, I would say the better way to go. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not there. I don't know where you're at on your new board. Like, I can't wait to read your new piece. I don't have guys like both top five guys. I have like a minus six, and I think I got to start like seven or eight. Like from last I look, I think maybe a minus five. I don't know. It's, I've been tinkering a lot as well, but I don't have either top five. Asar has impressed me like I'll, I'll lead off with that I came away with him significantly higher on my board coming out of it than I did going in right so the thing why I wanted to stress not comparing Amend to Asar is because I really didn't want to do this with Asar to Amin because I think that Amin has been the measuring stick to Asar's success and I don't necessarily think that's in his best interest you know what I mean like because he is a better shooter than men. A lot of people are saying, like, well, he's he's a good shooter, and it's just like he's still got a lot of work to go on his jumper. But because he's better than a men, people are, are saying that he is a All better right, player. It's there, yeah, okay, yeah, you know what I mean, like that he's arrived as a shooter, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: I I don't see that the case. And here's the thing I'll say about that: it's important, in my opinion, for Asar to be a better three point shooter coming in than I think it is for a men because a men. Is more adept as playing as a ball handler and applying more pressure on the rim. And it's not to say that Asar isn't a good ball handler or a good passer, but I don't think that they're particularly close in that regard. Like, Asar is safer, and I think that that's because he is understanding of his limitations as a ball handler. I would say the same thing as a passer. Like, Asar does make good reads like he has very good connective ability but if we're if we're talking about just like one for one like where they're at skill wise i think a man is a better ball handler by a good amount and i think that he is a better passer by a good amount as far as showing enough connective ability as a as a passer and a and you know a uh ball handler but the shooting isn't there and if he's going to be an off-ball guy that's just a def- like that's predominantly a defender with some connective ability but a below average shooter like that's much more concerning and now I'm considering like is that necessarily safe where you do have a man who is a stronger ball handler and a stronger passer who if he does improve as a shooter now you're talking about like potentially like a top 40 to 35 player in the NBA where as a SAR I don't necessarily see him having that level of a ceiling so worldwide where they're going to be I don't necessarily think that Asar is as much as a, a safe prospect as he is being made out to be, but I still think relative to his peers that he is a top ten prospect, if that makes sense, right? Like it's much I more get, yeah, yeah, I get you. it's much more important that he is a better shooter than than a mm-hmm. man because of the role that he's gonna be expected to play and the shot's just not really there. Yeah, I
0: think I think it's I think the one thing that Asar is gonna have working for him. Is that if you look at a lot of other players in this same kind of tier of the draft, they're all guys that he is like a better athlete than, and it's a lot of yes. other guys that are struggling with their shot. Um,
1: yeah.
0: So it is guys like Cam Whitmore, right, who's like also mm-hmm. really struggling to find a stroke. It's a guy like an Anthony Black who like is hitting, but like nobody really feels that great about it. Yeah. Um, and and again, like Asar is the better athlete out of the two. Same with like a Jairus Walker, where like Jairus is probably like a more fundamentally sound defender, but like in terms of athleticism, it's not particularly close. And it's another guy where it's like, well, the percentage is good, but like the volume is mu- is basically half of what Asara is taking. And granted, the competition's better.
1: Um But he's not getting opportunities like Asara is no, either. I for hate sure, that for sure. Way.
0: Um, but yeah, like it's a lot of other guys like have those similar questions and he has the athletic edge over them um so i do think that yeah like relative to his peers the case for him is still rather strong um i yeah. guess yeah i guess the big difference is just where we feel about him as a distributor um because yeah like he's never really been labeled a point the same way that
1: a man has um but i and do you feel like if you're drafting a star like this is i think where yeah. the evaluation comes like and and this might be a fault on my end and i again mm-hmm. i have these two like Neck and neck. They're they're much more closer now than they have ever been to me. And I don't have the door shut that Asar can't can't jump them in. But what is Asar's NBA role? Like if you're drafting him, and I don't know where you have him on your board, but if you have him three, like yeah, or you have him like where I do, he's probably gonna be three. Okay, so if he's three, what's his NBA role? Like if you're drafting him, say the like I don't know Charlotte charlotte drafts him yeah and he's playing next to ball and he's mm-hmm. what 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 is what's his role he is ultimately a like
0: slashing three that you occasionally run plays for where it's like he, like there are plays where he is the initiator he's a guy that grabs and goes and you run like early offensive sets through like you run like hey he grabbed the board like have a big rim run, have the other big run, set a drag screen and pop, like just really simple, like grab and go early offense type stuff. Like you let him do that. Um, cause I think that's where he's going to have a lot of success, right? Is transition and early offense. Like the yeah. longer that the shot clock ticks, like the, the more difficult it's going to become for him. Otherwise, I think you're looking at, maybe he comes off screens like a secondary option or he's attacking a defense after LaMelo has run a pick and roll and defenders have had to move and now they're out of position. So now you hit him from the slot or from the corner and then he's attacking a defense. It's already been compromised to a point. Um, and then you're hoping that he can catch and shoot out of the corner. Uh, So I think it's something like that, which is not like the most exciting offensive role for a number three pick and because you're still counting on a lot of development to happen to get him where you want to be. Um, But I see him being that kind of a player initially.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's kind of like the role that I see him in too. And I think that that's where draft philosophy comes in too, right? Like, do you want to go safe at three or do you want to go for maybe a player with the higher superstar upside? And I think that a star does have like, all-star like there is a world where he could be like a like an Andrew Wiggins like maybe one or two time all-star in the NBA and still be a really good player and he was drafted number one overall right so like there's a case to be made that he should be higher on my board and he is he has gradually made his way up there I just struggle with as a shooter and I don't trust him to come in and be a playmaker or like a ball dominant scorer Where do I place him? You know what I mean. Like that's kind of where I'm at on him.
0: That's fair. That's fair. So that that'll wrap the OTE talk. Um, So from here, we're gonna we're gonna go a little bit quicker just because these guys are lower down our boards. Um, Up next is a guy that I'm like really considering doing a feature on because I feel like I'm like the one guy at no ceilings that really likes him. Uh, And we're pretty far. Another guy we're pretty far apart on Leonard Miller uh, for the G League Ignite. I like Leonard Miller. I think that there are very obvious flaws to Leonard Miller's game. Um, I think I might've mentioned in the last year, like there was a possession where he, and I wrote about it in my column. There was, I think it was against, I think it was a game against the Clippers where he had the ball. He's got a small on him. And the obvious thing for him to do is like, he's a very efficient two point scorer. Yeah. Get the guy in the post. Take him inside. Get a look. Maybe get to the free throw line. He's been a pretty efficient, you know, free throw shooter. Uh, 77% at the line this season. And you make one, you get two points in the G-League. Uh yeah. instead, he calls for a ball screen, gets a switch, gets a bigger defender on him, and then launches a three. And in the games, again, this is through in stats, this is including those Metropolitan's games, 26.8% from three. It's just like what what are you doing, man? What what is this? Um, but as a whole, this is a a player who is very uh productive in the G League. He is scoring so Leonard Miller, 6'10, uh, 19 years old, uh 14.5 points per game, just about nine rebounds per game, 1.7 assists to 2.3 turnovers, 1.1 steals, 0.6 blocks, uh shooting splits of 48.5, 26.8. 77.1. Um, so with Leonard Miller, we're ultimately talking about an energy forward who can put the ball on the ground a little bit, has flashes as a playmaker, uh, has become, I would say, like comfortably for the G League, a pretty good on ball defender. Off ball defense is still very inconsistent. I would say it's mm-hmm. better than it was, uh, but there are still some very bad breakdowns that occur on his watch um there are very bad turnovers that occur on his watch he is a very like possession by possession player at this stage where sometimes like you just want to rip your hair out and other times you're like oh i see the vision here
1: very frustrating Uh, watch yeah yeah.
0: so you (laughs) have have really dug into a lot more in night film uh lately where are you kind of at where were you at on letter miller coming in because i think you were lower and do you feel any better after this kind of recent deep dive that we've all done
1: I do. I do feel better. But the mm-hmm. bar was lower, so all I had to do was step over. Yeah. Now it's up a little mm-hmm. higher. Um I've already talked, I feel like, a, a a good a good bit on his on where I see him struggling. Like I don't he's is he a floor spacer? No. Like is he gonna be a mm-hmm. playmaker? No. Like his handle
0: Especially not initially, I think is the thing. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's like, if you wanna talk yourself into like the passing flashes, it's like okay. Well, what is he gonna have to do first in order to get the yes. ball in his hands more? Because teams don't just give you the ball because you have no. passing flashes in the G League. Like that's not how it works. So no, you gotta develop like, some other skills first before a team trusts you
1: like that. Even a, I think a team like and and the fact that you're saying that, Maxlon, I think that you have like a mid to late first on him. Somewhere yeah, he's in that like yeah, he's right? like
0: I think around like twenty ish. Yeah,
1: yeah, which you know. I've seen I've seen significantly higher right but if you're taking him at 20 like you said you're not taking him to be like an offensive hub despite the mm-hmm. fact that NBA offenses do actually enjoy running offense through their bigs now um mm-hmm. he's not the best passer although in the Clippers game he did have a sweet dime to City Sisoko which I mm-hmm. loved um here's my thing Maxwell and I think that, that we could just kind of steer the conversation in this in this regard what are you drafting him for? Because I know that you yeah. said that he is like an A to B prospect to you, which mm-hmm. I would love to know two things like from you. And this would help my evaluation a lot. How do you, how do you assess an A to B player? Like if you're watching yeah. him like in the yeah. middle, he's at like 8.5 right now. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so yeah. how do you assess an 8.5 player? And then what's mm. his ultimate role in the NBA that you want to take him as high as you mm. are right now?
0: for sure so with leonard miller um and i've said this like a lot like in our group chat i think ultimately like you so let's let's go to the the a to b player at first um yes. what i want to see is what i have seen which is i want to see more of the flashes as a passer i want to see more, and i want to see more consistency as a defender especially off the ball um because he was like a disaster defensively prior to this ignite season um so it's really just one of those, like it stinks because like with so many players, like guys that we're like wishy washing on, like we can kind of just look at box scores a lot of the times and just be like, do yeah. I need to watch this guy? No, nah, <laughs> I'm just going to like, I'm just going to kind of like keep him at arm's distance. And then like, yeah. once the draft comes here, if he declares, then I'll, I'll dive into the film. Where, like with Leonard Miller, it's like, I need to keep a running tally on like what's happening. Like I need to check back every couple of games and be like, how are you rotationally? are you getting when you are weak side, are you sliding into help with the basket? Like all these like little things, it's not stuff that you can get from a box score. It's literally just no. got to watch the games and Intangible. see like, yeah. is he doing dumb stuff less? Uh, and often, yes. And like when I say dumb stuff, like I don't mean that in like any sort of derogatory sense, he's a guy who's not played a lot of high level basketball. This guy yeah. came from like being a guy who was six, four to a guy who had a massive growth spurt and played like pretty high level Canadian basketball in yep. high school to then like now he's just on the Chief ignite. uh so it has been a whirlwind and he's getting used to a new body so like him making mistakes is not expected it's like not only expected it's like encouraged like he's got to play yeah. through this stuff and it's why i love him with the ignite um so i think yeah the a to b thing is just like i need to see less of the bad and more of the good um for his role i think a team needs to have a plan that takes him like i think if yeah. a team takes him that is like serious about competing and like wants him to play right away you've got to have a coach that's going to be understanding of what his background is and what he can be going forward. Um, So I think the ideal situation is something like he lands on a team that is either like pretty committed to rebuilding or is not in a situation to be competitive yet. Um, Or even like if if you look at a team, like uh, I'm trying to just think of teams off the top of my head, like teams like Indiana or Utah, Where it's like, we're not like deliberately being bad. We would like to win games, but like, we're going to let young guys do their thing.
1: Multiple first Um, round picks. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like those are the type of teams where like, I think if they take him and say either like, we're going to commit to just playing you on the ignite for a year, or like, we're going to play you as an energy big man. We're going to give you a couple chances a game to orchestrate a handoff and just see how that goes. Like that's, I think the ideal role for him is just like, Bring him in low maintenance. Make sure you really are on your P's and Q's defensively. Crash the offensive glass, get some putbacks, roll to the rim after screens, cut when the cutting lane is there. And like that's it. Like I'm looking at him exclusively as a guy to defend, rebound, and play finish out of the gate on that type of a team. And then you hope that like the passing flashes come along, he develops the outside shot. And then he's a guy that can reliably run handoffs, both as like a playmaker for others. And a guy where like, if you sag on the handoff, he's just going to take the three. Like ideally, like that's what you hope. You hope that he becomes that and a plus defender. And that's a really good player. Like if you have a guy who's six ten, you can run the occasional offensive set through. Um, I don't think he'll ever be like a Sabonis level passer, but like that type of thing on occasion where it's like, you can run some wheel actions around him. And like, he can be an offensive hub and he can finish inside. And then on defense, like, he's able to cover multiple positions. He's able to give you some extra rim protection and he can lock a guy down because he's so big. That's you that's like what you're be really Daniel Tice
1: with. kind of is what you're Yeah, exactly.
0: Like that yeah. that kind of defensive player. Um I I think that's what you hope for, but I think you really start small with the role. I think it's like really critical that you start small with the offensive role.
1: Okay. Yeah, and and that's kind of where I'm I'm struggling with placing him because it's like if you got to put that much into a player and you know like you're not sure of like where the ceiling is like how much more surface level there is to scratch there like I do love that he competes on the glass he's solid in transition and he's got some funk to his ball handling and good mid-range mm-hmm. game like there's some real positives to him I was just curious because I know you talk about A to B and I thought that this would be an excellent time to kind of talk about that with such a prospect as Leonard Miller
0: mm-hmm. yeah and I think that like yeah I, th- I think there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of good in there but i think like the reasoning Ignite was such a good fit is just because like he does make a ton of mistakes and that's why i mentioned like those type of teams specifically like yes. he needs a coach that's and that's why i think minimizing the role is so important too because mm-hmm. like you don't want him to think that's okay like you don't want him to have too long of a leash where it's like you're allowed to just go out there and like make wild passes or get like really crazy attacking the basket uh i i think that's like the way to do it um so let's let's move on to his teammate real quick, CD Sissoko, a guy you really yeah. liked coming into the year, a guy I was a little yeah. more skeptical of, <laughs> and probably the player who has moved up and down my board more dramatically more times than anybody else. Stephen, so I'm like I'm having a really hard time with the CD Sissoko yeah. assessment. Like <laughs> I I'm just like kind of lost with him in, in general. What have you seen from CD and like what, where are you at with him right now?
1: So I got a question for you, and then I'll dive in yeah what position do you see him playing in the nba if it all works out uh probably the
0: three i think i think you hope that he shoots well enough that he's like a two three where it's like yeah you can just like count on him to hit a shot and like he initiates sometimes
1: yeah so the more that really i've rebuild. watched no but he's very strong he is he a is. very strong player and he's got good frame, friend- and he's if we're talking about like time in going to the G league, being a smart move for him, CD is still very young. And I, for whatever reason, like the evaluation that I hear from him, it, it almost feels like that he was expected to come in as like such a finished product. You know what I mean? And like, he's still a very young, young man. Um, He's very strong, um, can absorb contacts on both sides of the ball, appears to be versatile on the defensive end. And this is what I love about him is that if, I'm looking at him more as a 4, which it was not my evaluation coming in, but watching him play, okay. watching him play in the Ignite when you know he he's capable on the boards, I went in a strong suit especially whenever Leonard Miller is like averaging what like 10 or 11 rebounds per game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's gobbling up a lot of boards himself, but I think that if you look at him as a 4 that is positionally versatile on the defensive end with playmaking ability and passing, because if you watch him in transition, you look at the passes he makes, he's not efficient from everywhere on the floor, but it looks like the three-point shot isn't as much as a project as I was expecting it to be coming in. Like He's showing signs that there is some floor spacing ability into his game, and if the ball is swung to him and the defense is caught rotating, he can attack, he can absorb, and finish through contact as well. Um, Just watched one of the Clippers games before we started recording and he actually drove and dunked on somebody, which I was not expecting to mm-hmm. see um, at this point in the season. So there are concerns, though Maxwell. Like the passing is very um, daring in a lot, on a lot of possessions, especially yeah. when Scoot was gone. And if we're talking about roster construction for some co- college teams, like the G League team was very much built about <laughs> around Scoot being the initiator. Like they were not counting on City. mojave to come in and and be offensive hubs and i think that that's given city growth and and reps to improve in that area but that's not what i think that his role is going to be i just i'm starting to look at him as a four particularly in like a five out system yeah because again very strong very defensively versatile
0: yeah like so many of my notes on him are just about like his frame his body his strength and length and ability to wall off drives like there's so much of that in like in my notes for him so I get it. I'd like to see the rebounding come around more. But to your point, like they've got other rebounders, yeah. player Miko a lot who's like big, uh, scoot yeah. rebounds above his weight for his position. So it's, you can explain it away if you want to. I, I think the one other thing that you would have working in his favor on that front is the fact that like he knows how to protect the rim from the weak sides. So, like yes. if you are playing him at the four, like that instinct is already kind of built in there. Um, and he's not afraid of contact. Yeah, I, either. No, 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 no. Um, I think that he yeah, like to your point, the shooting I think is it's gonna be the big question mark. And I think it's yeah. really gonna affect like where he lands. And I again it's one of those things where it's important to remember like he is shooting them from NBA range in the G League. So thirty one point four, it's not great, but if he was, you know, shooting thirty one point four percent in college, would we maybe feel a little bit better about it? Like mm-hmm i don't know there's a lot of guys shooting around that range that are really high on boards that that don't have some of the other things that cd has and are not playing at the same level of competition that he is so if you want to talk yourself into him you could say that um yeah really active defender uh very disruptive on that end offensively like there yeah there is stuff to like like he he can do some really nice stuff with the ball as a passer his post entries are always like very sharp very well delivered um he can be a little wild at top speed yes, like when he is much. playing too fast like it can it can get really ugly um so he's got to just settle down a little bit but again like he is very young and i don't know why i feel like he doesn't get that same benefit of the doubt i don't know if it's just he's played longer than a guy like leonard miller but maybe i should be a little bit more fair um to cd as far as like what he's working
1: through as far as i forget now. that he's only like 18 19 years old because he also yeah. does have like that pro level experience overseas before coming to the g league
0: well and, like he just looks like he's 24 like physically yes. like he has a body of a 24 year old like he yeah. most guys who are his age are like really scrawny or underdeveloped like you'll get jaden hardy who is older than him when he mm-hmm. played on the G league night it's like, Oh yeah. Like he's still got some baby fat on him. Like he's not that quick or whatever. We're like CD is built like a man already at 18. Yes. So that, that is a big difference. Um, so let's move on to our last kind of like big name on the docket. We might touch on some other guys real quick, but sure. Uh, Nikola Juricic uh, who is playing uh, for mega in Croatia as um, part of the Adriatic league he was a guy who was really highly touted coming into the year. I believe he was like top 20, top 25 for me coming into the year. Uh, Six, eight sort of guard forward type point forward. uh, If you want to say that. Um, So let's, let's just do the numbers first. Yeah. 11 points per game, 2.6 assists to two turnovers. So like positive assist turnover Mm ratio at that size, 2.6 assists a game. Real good. Uh, He's not blocked a shot on the season uh 1.1 yeah. steals per game uh two rebounds per game which like again like oh kind of kind of low for the size okay uh let's do the shooting splits now he this is, almost
1: broke our group chat the other day when, yeah when i was just like hey did anyone see this <laughs> shooting shooting worse than, than thompson from deep right now
0: yeah so he is, this is using the stat data 38.7 from the field 69.2 percent from the free throw line and 10 percent from three on 3.8 per game so he's taking him can't say he's not taking him yeah. uh and he's not like a busted jumper guy and like he
1: looks pretty it can't
0: explain it no, it's it's like a, it's a real Jalen Hood Shafino situation where right? you'd watch the high school tape and like the three point numbers were disastrous and you watch the shot and you're like I kind of like that shot. <laughs> like I, I I don't hate the shot. His is probably prettier than than JHS's was for was for sure too. So how where like uh, if we can rip off the Tylers real quick. Where's your panic yeah. meter with the Colorado situation? Oh boy. Stage?
1: Uh man, ripping off the Tylers that's a lot. <laughs> six, six point five. Okay, like that's kind of where I'm at with uh with where I was coming into the season and what I'm seeing now. Um, there is some good things to like, but I'm thinking positionally. Like, I know that he's dealt with injury, which Rucker was, you know, yes. very quick to yep. to to remind us, and that was something that I needed reminder on. And uh, you know, Corey, shout to him. Big fan of, you know, by form over um, efficiency numbers, especially on the number of games that he's played in, which I believe is only, what, like eight games or something? Something it's like low. that? yeah. Very low number. So the shooting, all it takes is, you know, two, three really good shooting games, and then that percentage is up, right? Yeah. I'm just... I'm nervous because it's not what I was expecting to see, if that makes sense. Um, I agree, yeah. He competes I, I so very not hard on... Mm -hmm. yeah but i will tell you the one thing maybe i'm maybe i overreacted i'll call it a clean five my panic meter is a clean five because okay i wasn't expecting the defense to be as good as it is now especially navigating screens Mm mm-hmm
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I I would probably have my panic meter a little bit higher as far as like a this year guy. And that's the thing. He's young. Like this is a dude who could like has several years if he does not want to put his name in this year. So like for this year, I'm probably like a 7.5 just because I think it's really hard for teams to talk themselves into a guy that is shooting 10% from three. And again, it is eight games that we have for in stat data. So that like you said it could change in a hurry he has you know one game where he's five for five and he's like doubled the number of threes that he's hit on the year so it it could be as simple as that um i i'm with you on the defense i think the defense is a lot better than i expected um i thought in the games that i'd seen of him prior uh to this season he told on himself with his feet a lot like he would sag way more than it felt like he needed to and he'd give up really easy looks and like he would do the Yovich sometimes where it's like, I'm just going to foul if you, get, if, if you drive at me at all. Like, if you, <laughs> if, if you try to make me slide my feet, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to foul you. Like, I F do not make me slide my feet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's really moving better defensively. Um, on the shot, he does take it quick and confident. So, like, I do think yes. that's something that he can, he can do. Uh, it's, it's why I would be confident like that and the fact that he's taking him off of movement too. Uh, there's a real level of fluidity on defense. The last thing that I want to see, uh, two things, the passing is like a big part of his game. That's like a big point. Like he's, he's really creative with what he can see and what he can deliver as a passer. Um, I think he premeditates his drive sometimes and there'll be instances where like he goes into a spin move and it's like, Oh, you decided you are going to do that spin move like four seconds ago. Like there's a guy who was just standing in the way and he still went with the spin move and now you lost the ball. It's uh, so like some of his turnovers just feel like don't like it's easy stuff where it's like you're just leaving that on the table and that can just play play more loose because uh, he has the fluidity to do it. I think it's just a matter of like getting more comfortable and getting used to being more improvisational with the ball in his hands uh, against pro competition. Um And then the last thing is like we mentioned the rebounding he needs to make sure he boxes out around the basket because like he gives up some yeah. second chances or like he'll lose his man. And then his man gets the second chance opportunity. Like that type of stuff is just a very irritating flaw that like, I can't have that. I can't have the turnovers and I can't have you shooting like this. Like I need, if, if some of those other things are further along, maybe it wouldn't bother me as much, but he should be rebounding better than he is the shot. I don't like think you can really do anything about it. There's no easy fix. I think it, I think time in and of itself, will take care of that, whether it's this year or further down the road. Um, but the the premeditated driving is the other thing that I'm really frustrated with with him.
1: Yeah, and I think that too, when we were talking about him in the group chat, was that he's kind of predictable too as a ball handler mm-hmm. in the sense that if he's driving right, I think that he has a really good chance to get to the bucket and finish with a clean pass. If he's driving left, he is not really looking to go to the basket um some of Mm -hmm. his passes coming through that angle um are a little bit more wild and even when he goes left he's also looking to go immediately back to the right so if we're looking at him as like a combo perimeter player playmaker um cutting off half of the court on him is gonna make his life a heck of a lot harder at the next level but dude he's so young like you said yes he is My, I said my panic meter is at a five. I think I slid him back like maybe five or six spots because of where I'm seeing the areas of concern on him now and how mm-hmm. other players have just played better than my expectations. It's just the song and dance that we're at the time of the year right now. So um, mm-hmm. I haven't sold out on him as like a draftable prospect or anything like that, but there are more glaring concerns and and hopefully with more uh, games coming down the line, some of those areas get uh, – Addressed quickly
0: mm-hmm. so that those were like the big names that we wanted to touch on those are the guys that I, th- I feel like most places are projecting to be drafted they're generally guys that are in the top 60 um are there any other international guys that you want to like touch base on or that have caught your eye at all or anything like that
1: i mean we've talked a good number we've talked about a good number of them you know james Aji when we did the international oh, yep, dive mm-hmm. i think that he's a fine player um, mm-hmm. still a lot of concerns with him consistent with uh, consistency strength um, trans- Translating over to the NBA at his position, I think is going to give him problems, but he's he moves his feet very well um, Has excellent, you know, um, ball tracking ability and timing on his blocks uh, I think rebounding is going to be a good strong point for him offensively I'm kind of curious if he can do anything other than being a lob threat, but on some systems That's really all you need his position to do so I have him kind of as a late second, mid to late second right now. Um, And then, you know, Indai hasn't really done anything yet, but I still want to believe in the tools of his game. I was a big Amarcia guy too um, Uh whenever he was going through draft cycles and stuff like that, and I specifically just held on to him because of his tools and his motor. Uh, I think Indai still has the potential to be able to do something, but it's really into it this year. And then our our favorite point guard in the draft cycle, Juan Nunes, is uh a guy yeah. whose name I consistently still see. And I just I want to mm-hmm. be nice and just say that he is a fine point guard.
0: Yeah, I felt like really because like, like we've been the downer on him like pretty consistently, and I like his name has started to fade from the conversation. And I think that's fine. And like again, it's the same thing we said about him. The last yeah. time that he was brought up, like he's young. Like he does not need to enter the draft this year. I think he's got like three more years. Like just keep developing, man. Like there's yeah. no, no rush. If a team takes him as a stash, there are probably other guys I'd rather stash, but like there's, there's no rush. Um And die was someone that you mentioned, like I want to touch on. So this is a guy, he is 6'10". Please. He's, he's playing on Besconia's third league team in Germany. So the level of competition, I believe it's their third league team. Uh, level of competition is very poor. Um, it is like a wild watch, like, he is all over the place. Uh, he is way too three point happy, like, he loves to just launch the three. Like, there are so many times where it's like, you know, you could just like drive to the basket on this, and it's just like he's already launched a three. Um, defensively he's really raw but like the tools are so interesting like he looks yes. so big out there and he can move and like the the jumper like his percentages are really bad like the jumper is really clean when he takes off the catch he's just pulling too many off the dribble and it's some reading like both his field goal percentage because he takes so many of them and his yeah. three-point percentage um and like inside like key he, he'd like there'll be times where he gets a smaller guy on him and he'll post him up and hit a nice hook shot over him And it's like oh boy like there we go we're in business yep. and he can make some solid basic reads as a passer and just like hey someone came to help and he hit the open man like there's there's enough glimpses that you can talk yourself into it but he is so far from being a finished product like i would love him as a second round stash depending on the situation but like 100 percent not a guy that you take and you're like get over here let's start the clock on that contract yeah. like not going to be that kind of guy but like still very intriguing as a stash because like all these habits are things that should be fixable like it's like just don't take as many bad shots like the defense like that's just going to be a matter of experience like if the work rate is there it'll come around like he's so intriguing
1: still yeah um that I what think about is a real path for him I got one more, Feder Zugic. I forgot to mention him, too. You know, just a, yeah, the flame power. right?
0: Yeah, I have not watched an home game in a while, just because, like, him and, like, the fact that, like, Nunez hasn't really been great, and, like, I feel like Zugic is, like, like, the buzz isn't there. Like, when I, like, make my, like, watch schedule for the week, like, buzz yeah. does play a factor. Like, if I'm just sure. not hearing a ton about a guy, I don't necessarily go out of my way to watch him. I think Zugic is still really interesting long-term just because the level of like movement shooting that he can do, but like, is he done much as of late
1: or I, I don't know. I haven't, okay. I haven't watched much of yeah. him since my first, my first round, but um, name that I wanted to bring up for the listener. And this might be something that we can take as homework um, coming into the yeah. next episode. So but- it
0: does look like his minutes have, have trailed off. So like early in yeah. the year, he had like an 18 point game, a 17 point game, uh the last four games, it's been four points, one point, six point two points. So it looks like and he's twenty-six point four percent from three, where like the shot is like the big thing for him. So yeah. like and like this is one of those things, like when you're projecting NBA role, like this is a guy like when he has a cold stretch, because the rest of that game just isn't all the way there yet, like he could really find himself out of a rotation pretty quickly. So it's a shame because I like him. Like he's very fun when he is on, but it might just yeah. be Further down the road for
1: him because he's also still really young. Like
0: I think if he'd gone in last year, he would have been like the youngest guy in the draft. So no rush for him at all.
1: Absolutely, but yeah, those were the the only international guys that I had, man. But this this was a fun exercise. I'm glad that we were able to have the the long awaited Thompson talk on on draft deeper. I think that was the most extensive we've dove into them.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was a real good time. I'm I'm glad that that we did it, and I want to thank the uh, all the listeners for coming along on this journey with us um always if we leave us feedback find us on twitter get at us nathan is at draft deeper on twitter i will plug his mm-hmm. stuff um i am at bound board steven you were at steven g hoops correct yes sir awesome and let him know what you just put out this week it, it, yeah Nathan's so nba.com or Substack, which you should be subscribed to if you're not already
1: yeah i mean you're getting you know uh, i won't even say how I feel about it. Like we've been getting a lot of buzz lately, Maxwell from our fans. That's just like very humbling words um, about how they're enjoying the content. But yeah, just had a piece drop on UCF's Taylor Hendricks, who didn't even include it in the breakdown. It's just like how the, uh, how it broke down from when I got it written to when it edited and when it posted, didn't even include how well he played against Houston, which big test mm-hmm. for him, man. Like he <laughs> looked, huge. it was a very great game. And we were, like making comments, like dude, like Houston might eat him alive, and he, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, he we was were worried great. about
1: that matchup. And he he showed out. So, um, well timed article. Um, a lot of good content in there. I dove in about how the evolution of the NBA. And shout out to Spins because this is trailing his article that he released um, about a week or so ago about the the power forward spot and how he's looking at it. I actually messaged him on the mm-hmm. side and was like. Hey, I'm writing about power forwards a little bit too, but in a completely different direction. Like I'm talking about like modernized twin tower lineups where size is in so long as it's coupled with great skill. And I think that that's what Taylor Hendricks is bringing to the NBA. Great three-point shooter, great defender, budding playmaker, competes on the glass. When he gets stronger, a lot of his weaknesses are going to be um, not as weak anymore, which is great. Um, so please go check that out, noceilingsnba.com free 99 by the time you're listening to this Nathan's piece is going to be released and then Maxwell you got a piece that I can't wait to dive into man
0: yeah yeah so this week I am covering Noah Clowney which was like a really interesting film dive for me because he's one of those guys where I feel like and I feel like this is part of the reason I was so excited for your Taylor Hendricks piece as well is a lot of these guys that just kind of like explode out of nowhere. I think people react to the stock a lot. Like people are like, oh, this guy's got to yeah. go this higher. Like I'm, I'm holding out on this guy. But you don't get a lot of like thorough analysis. of Like what is this guy's game? Like mm-hmm. what is the game here? What is there? What's still yet to come along? Um, I really enjoyed digging deep into Noah Clowney because there were some things that were flaws. And I'm like, oh, that's like a pretty easily fixable thing. Um, mm-hmm. There were some areas where I was just like really encouraged about the way that he plays the game. Uh, so really, really excited to get that one kind of hammered out, started on it today. I'll have that finished up tomorrow and it'll be up on our sub stack on Tuesday. Um, and like I said earlier, a lot of big board changes, the expanding big board, there's going to be quite a bit of movement there. Uh, this draft is starting to feel really open for me. So I'm going to kind of dive into that. And of course, quick hits as always. So
1: that's what we've got coming down that, the man.
0: pipe. Yeah. yeah Nathan's so, piece by the all. time
1: everyone's listening to this today is yes. uh, covering Nick Smith who just got hurt. And I'm sure he's going to give you a lot of good reasons to remember his name.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nathan has been really all over the Nick Smith thing. So he, um, he's done a lot of work on his high school film, obviously before the season and now kind of really thoroughly dove into those college games and we might not see him again. Uh, so it's a really important piece because I think the Nick Smith discourse might get kind of carried away where it's like, we haven't seen him in a while and people just kind of like make stuff up or like write him off or, they get, you know, recency bias and sliding down. We're like, Nathan is going to go really deep in his game and, and kind of take it through all that. And that's important to, uh, to keep in mind moving forward since that, that may be the last that we've seen of him. Yeah, very true. Um, so that is that. Thank you so much for joining us again. Please subscribe uh, both here and to the sub stack if you have not already. Leave a five-star review. It helps us out quite a bit. And we always appreciate you all listening into 2023. Hope you're all having a happy new year and we'll see you guys next week.
1: Much love, y'all.